Thanks for listening to another episode of How Good Is Rugby League? We're stoked to be back for season five, and this year we're coming back bigger and better than ever. That's right, Michael. You've been busy over the off-season. We're now on Instagram, X, YouTube, and TikTok. And, of course, you can listen to us on all podcasting platforms. Now it's time for another episode of How Good Is Rugby League? Hello, footy fans, and welcome to the round seven episode of How Good Is Rugby League. My name is Emmanuel Penkless, and joining me, as always, Michael Corbin. Michael. Emmanuel. The Tigers have won a game after six rounds of football in a goal in a, in a final second thriller against the Parramatta Eels on Easter Monday. The Tigers get off the mark and their first win. That's the big story of the NRL this week. Madge's head is above water. He can breathe a little bit. And Tigers fans are excited. Are you excited, Emmanuel? How good is it, Mike? Everyone should be excited. It was an Easter Monday classic. It was an absolute thriller. Uh, No one knew what was going to happen, where the result was going to head. It was a seesawing game uh, for 80 minutes, and it was was an absolute thriller. And Jackson Hastings, the poor guy, he kicked it dead a couple of times uh, with five minutes to go. But it it was an absolute masterclass from him, I thought. Just a, a really good performance. And Michael Maguire is a master coach. He's moved Hastings to seven and Luke Brooks to six. And it's been a tick of approval from the staff writers at Fox Sports. Yeah, and uh, when they got the win, uh, Brooks was actually playing at nine because uh, <laughs> Jake Simpkin went off with an ankle injury, which might actually happen come back into the season if Adam Dewey comes back and fills that number six role. Look, Jackson Hastings always had the promise as a great player and an excellent halfback. He just didn't have the maturity. And that was shown early on in his years, especially the Roosters. Uh, went over to Wigan, led them, was one of the best players in the competition over in the Super League for a few years there. Come back to the Tigers, and with the number seven on his back, he was the one who was guiding them around. Let Luke Brooks play the role that he wanted to play, and it really showed. It really helped, and they managed to get a good victory over a team that a lot of people think are contenders. So, really good win by them. Uh, really impressive game. Really great, like, good, good football. Like you think, oh, one-point game, Tigers win. Parramatta played down to their level. No, tight and look, this has been the case all year. Tigers have made it difficult for teams to score points. Their defense has been good, and we always we've known that Madge has always been a defensive coach. Uh, it's just they've always struggled to put uh, to get points on the board. And this week they were able to do both. I thought that Parramatta were trying a bit too much. They they instead of trying to control the game, they were trying to score on every set and. Just, didn't work for them, but I'm not taking anything away from the Tigers. They they deserve this win. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought the spines from both teams were actually outstanding. Uh, the one, six, seven, and nine for the Tigers. Um, Dane Laurie, awesome, excellent. Dane Laurie, yeah, yeah, yeah. excellent one-on-one tackle on Gutho yeah, yeah, yeah. to push him back and and sort of make a statement of it. But even. Um, Mitchell Moses crossfield grubber that sort of Gutho chased down and scored in goal under the posts. Um, the great footwork um, 
in the um, by the five eight for Parramatta um, Brown Dylan, Dylan Brown was absolutely awesome. Broke through combined with uh, Marnie from memory as well. So just really good football from all of them. But Michael, no one told me that Parramatta was celebrating seventy five years since their foundation. No one told me that Parramatta's Hall of Fame was going to be there. No one told me that this was going to be the launch of their 75 years of celebrations. Had I known this, I would have tipped the Tigers. <laughs> expectation. They just can't handle the expectation every time. The hype, the build-up, they're peaking, they're expected to win, and that's when they're most vulnerable. It's been the difference between them and every other team that's been in the top four and the top six the last couple of years. They just can't. When the big game comes, in the game they're expected to win, and you could tell it from the opening five minutes, if they were almost in panic mode, if they weren't scoring a try at the end of a set, they got themselves frustrated, they got themselves frazzled, um, and it was just, and they kept, they, it was brilliant football, it was great football, but they just didn't have the patience, they didn't trust themselves to come back and get it. They, the Tigers had like five dropouts. Yeah. It was like five dropouts to nil, and the Tigers still won the game. Yeah. It's crazy. Like yeah. Parramatta, they had opportunities, but they just kept blowing them. I know, I know, I know. It was, uh, they get rattled. It's what Parramatta <laughs> do. And as you said, when there, is, when there is expectation put on them, they just seem to, to you know, fail a little bit. And look, last year we thought they might have turned the corner, but these are games that the last four years that Parramatta have been a competitive team... They'll, they'll have one of these really bad losses a year. And it's just like, I don't know if you can take this team seriously. And it's really frustrating. frustrating. And I'm sure, as a Paramount, I'm not even a Paramount fan. I'm, I'm sure it's even more frustrating for them. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine the heartbreak that you'd feel as a Paramount fan watching a team that you think has this skill and has the talent to be a premiership winning team blow opportunities like this. Yeah, and um, Parramatta's next five are Newcastle, the Cowboys, Penrith, the Roosters, and Manly. And only two of those five, the Cowboys game and the Manly game, are at Combank Stadium. Yeah. In fact, I, yeah, at Combank Stadium. So um, it, it's an interesting period for them because that's a game that they need, they're expected to win. Uh, they've slipped back now into fourth spot. Uh, but, you know, it's... They're still up there, and we've all, we've been critical of them in the past for peaking too early. Uh, so it's one where they'll lick their wounds. But all credit goes to the Tigers. I I think it was a really just really classy style of football. They threw the ball around. Uh, Jackson Hastings' kicking game was phenomenal. So often we see halves, even really sort of mature, well developed, experienced first graders reluctant to do the short chips and and the, and the grubbers sort of uh, within the, the red zone because of a reluctance to give away seven tackle sets. He did so anyway, but there was also uh, a magical chip over the top for David Nofaluma, also threw a beautiful Harbour Bridge pass for him. Uh, so an awesome game for um, Monday afternoon. Uh, the other big game that I think we enjoyed over the weekend, I certainly did, was Melbourne and Cronulla, second and third on Saturday night. Um, very fast-paced game of football. Yeah, really, really quick from the get-go. Like you could tell, both these teams were really good. Just like that, that one try that Cronulla scored. It was actually two two plays, uh, yeah. two tackles. The the chip over the top to Sione Katoa, and then that led to the try for Ronaldo Mul- uh, uh, Sliver Talakai, I believe. 
basically Canola starting from their own uh, their own goal line. Incredible, incredible effort by them. Um, but Melbourne is Melbourne in Melbourne. This was their first real challenge, Cronulla, yeah. and it just shows that while they're good, not quite there yet. And look, there's things that are still gelling. They can get there by the end of the season, right? But Melbourne in Melbourne is the one of the biggest tests in the NRL. And unfortunately, the score ended up blowing out a bit late. Um, and I think a lot of it had to do with how well Cameron Munster played. Yeah, absolute masterclass from Munster. And we'll, we'll get on to a bit more of that in a moment. Um, I... There is something I really love, Mike, about a fast-paced game of football. Now, there was a lot of conjecture in the last couple of weeks um, from the media about six against and the frustration that the top sides give away less six against than the bottom sides. Now, on third on Saturday night, it was second against third, okay, and it was just an incredible game of football. There was minimal six against, minimal penalties, but that's because the teams back their own defences that they don't need to try and, and niggle their way uh, niggle their way around to sort of get a one-up over their opposition, okay? And now I compare that to Friday afternoon's game. The Bulldogs were so offside. They were given the warning. And then the, there's a bit of an uproar now about the Sinbin. South scored three tries in that time to lead 18-0. But if you have a look at it, it's just... The, the top teams don't do that. They just don't do that. This, type, this Cronulla game and Melbourne game... It was just a, another level. The defense was brilliant. It was end-to-end attacking football. Um, I, I love Talakai. I think he's an awesome player. I did not realize. I had forgotten that he actually played for Souths in 2018. <laughs> and that he was in that all-star back line. And his story is incredible. And they were talking about it in commentary how he thought that he was just going to be a natural talent just because of who he was playing around. And sort of Souths let him go. He found himself in a bit of a situation. got picked up by Cronulla. So... Uh, great story for him, but just a, a really strong side. I loved Nico Hines being adventurous with sort of um, Melbourne's got their their um, grouped defence structure, so he chipped it for his winger early in the tackle count. I love when teams do that and play sort of a different style of football. Munster? Yeah, look, Cam- uh, Cameron Munster, there's been a lot of talk about where he's going to play Next season, and you know, he's coming future. Melbourne's put a table offer for him for 750k a season, which is a big haircut on probably what he will earn if he decides to head up to the Dolphins. And that number could be around the 1.2 million dollar range. Look, he played, he the way he played on the weekend, he, I still think he's the best 5'8 in the game. He's he's adding money to his price tag the way he played. On, on Saturday night. He was exceptional. He toyed with Nico Hines on defense. He, he's, you know, he showed every, in one in one play, he showed every single facet of his game. The the show and go, the run, the kick, it, he's, he's just brilliant. And when he plays confidently and with instinct, there's very few better than him. It's the, re, the reason why Melbourne didn't want to pay him is, you know, the off-field antics. And... If you can get that under control, and you know maybe Wayne's the man to do that. This guy is an extreme talent and one of the best players in the NRL, and he will he will be a million dollar man. I I can't see him taking a haircut to stay in Melbourne. I don't know if he needs to, Mike. Like he he's won comps, he's won Origins, he's he might as well just ride it, run with the money, and 
and go. It is a shame, but you know, what's a club to do? A club sort of expects a bit of loyalty in return. They sometimes can't pay you as much, and it, it's just the way it's got to be. So if he does end up at uh, the Dolphins, um, all for them, I think he is the better option, probably the best option available to them. Um, he really turned that game the other night, um, despite the fact despite the fact early in the game he actually kicked it out in the full. Yeah. Uh, so it was one of those games where he, I think he still got man of the match, but he kicked it out in the full as well. So he's got that kind of game, and you've got to be ready for that. But um, has his manager sort of given any indication on, on where he's going, Mike? Uh, look, this is, yeah. Uh, Brave has been... I've dod- hit a nerve. I've hit a nerve. <laughs> Brave has been dodging questions about Munster, where Munster will go next week. Brave and Asta is... Uh, Cameron Munster's agent, uh, the host of NRL 360, who faces the media every night and has not given any clear indication on what's happening. And this brings to light an issue that I hate in the NRL, and that is players who, people who have responsibilities towards clubs, whether it be managers, coaches, uh, or you know affiliations with players in terms of agents, constantly being in the media and commentating on games and what's going on in the day-to-day NRL. One example of this is Gus Gould on Friday against the Bulldog, uh, uh, Bulldogs versus Rabbitohs. Gus is the C- the manager, the player manager of the Bulldogs. Right, he runs their football, he runs their NRL operations. Right, he was commentating on this game, and look, I like Gus in commentary. I think he's great, but there's just this level of I like I. It's, it's not biased because he was he, his disappointment was there. But I just don't want to hear him talking about his club while there's another club playing. Because that's where he's going to steer to. The club's problems or the club's, the, his own club's problems or his own club's successes rather than the actual flow of the game. And it, it, look, every single club almost, I think we named four clubs this, this afternoon that didn't have a, a person in, in the media who, comment, uh, who commentates on games, right? Every almost every club has it. Cooper Cronk is for the Roosters. You know, Michael Ennis was I could, couldn't stand him on commentary. He's he's a Parramatta coach. Billy Slater coaches the Storm. Uh, you've got Darren Lockyer coaches uh, has a part in the Broncos or the or the Broncos, right? And we can go down. Joey for nice, right? So many clubs have it, and I just think it takes away from the game. Why why do we allow people with affiliations to clubs? commentate on games where those clubs are participating. I can't stand it. Yeah. I, Mike, I completely agree with you. And I just don't understand. The thing, I, I love Gus as well. Um, but the thing that just, it's the same role he had at Penrith where he ruled himself out of commentating Penrith commentating Penrith games. And I don't understand why he commentated on um, Friday afternoon. As a Souths fan, I found it frustrating because I can tolerate his sort of Bulldogs did this, Bulldogs did that. My frustration was in when they're attacking or doing something good, fine. But my frustration was Damien Cook scores the try and it was sort of about the disappointment of the Bulldogs. Exactly. And that, and that t- yeah. and in commentary, and you watch a highlight, and there are some brilliant tries on in Friday's game and I feel like that actually took away from it. Uh, I do think Nine's commentary is far superior to Fox. Um, yesterday afternoon, I was just a bit draining with um, Ganane, who is usually very good, uh, and Ennis, who just seemed to be yelling. And it, it did seem to be a common common theme that I found on Twitter. So, um, yeah, a bit annoying, but what can you do? But just I, I thought, to be honest, a really good weekend of football. I thought it was just some, some really 
Um, so it was good to see sort of, I know you disagree on the Dragons, but Dragons and Tigers get the wins, both coming into form when they play our teams this week. But it's just, it's nice just to sort of have a bit of a change there. Um, Bulldogs back at the bottom of the ladder. Um, even Penrith, Penrith, that, that Penrith Broncos game looked close um, for quite a long period of time. And then they just ran away with it and just piled on the points again. So um, it's a bit of a, more of a situation normal on the ladder than it was a few weeks ago. Um but yeah, interesting times. Yeah, you mentioned situation normal. We have, at the moment, there are seven teams that are sitting on two wins and four losses. Now, there is a possibility this week, if the Broncos lose to the Bulldogs, there are seven teams still sitting on two wins and five losses, which just, you know, we, we thought that maybe this divide between the top six or seven and the bottom, you know, the bottom eight, would get get better, but there is, you know, there still is a divide, I think. And Penrith, as well as the Broncos, and I, I agree with you, the Broncos played really well for the first 60 minutes of that game, but Penrith's class just, it was too much for them, despite how well the Broncos are playing. And the Broncos have played well in the last two games. They just haven't been able to get over the top because they just don't have the class that some of the top teams have. Uh, yeah, and, you know, when we get into our tips for this week, we're going to see where we think, you know, can there be some of those upsets from the bottom seven teams? Uh, Will there be any upsets? And, you know, can some of them get a win over the top teams? This week's going to be really telling. Should we get into it? Let's do it. So before we do it, let's recap on last week's tipping. So obviously with the upset yesterday, uh, no one picked the round, which was quite refreshing. There were a couple of sevens, John Hetro and Nicholas James, who just does phenomenally well in our tipping comp. Um, so they both got seven, quite a few sixes, um, including the two of us, uh, uh, f- supported by an elite group. Um, and then there was one, a uh, couple of people that got two, who I just know would not have done their tips. So well done, Sooty. Could I make, could I make one comment? Um, Nick Saturis did not tip the Dragons. Poor form for a team that you support. Just watch it out. Yeah. N- <laughs> n- neither did Clive, who also supports the Dragons. So, <laughs> quite telling, really. Uh, and and so, to recap on the ladder, John Hetro has actually jumped out to uh, an outright lead. 35 points, followed by uh, Nick S, Michael J, and Tony C, all on 34. Uh, Mark V, Anthony P, Corbin... Uh, Clive, Peter Georges, Gab F, Bridget, and Eleni all on 33. Uh, PNT, myself, Ollie P, um, Jackie Val on 32. Uh, and then a bit of a tale follows that. Um, Mike. Yes. We have some merchandise as well. We do have some merchandise. Uh, we have the VB top tipper glass that you can get uh, when you... <laughs> I am currently unwrapping this very exclusive item. Yeah, when you if you go to your local club, you put your tips in for that round, you top your round, you get the VB top tipper glass. Amanda's going to post a photo of it uh, <laughs> with my head. <laughs> it's a glass shot and a mug shot. <laughs> uh, for those who are interested, uh, as a, uh, just a reminder that if you make your tips inside the four walls of a pub, you get a free VB every week. Um, I think... Manual, they gave out about 14,000 free VBs this week across New South Wales. It's, you know, 
people are getting amongst this, which is cool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, it's awesome, really. So, um, okay. Round seven, Michael. Your favorite round of the year? Yep. Anzac round. Tell us a bit about what you feel on Anzac Day. Ah, look, Anzac Day is a great day. Um, you know, the festivities of it all, you get to hear the last last post. You know, gone are the days where the airport, the, uh, the helicopter used to come into the stadium. I remember it one, one year it blew over Kevin Rudd, which was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, the Anzac Day game between the Dragons and the Roosters has always been my favourite uh, regular season game of the year. Uh, everyone gets amongst it. Everyone loves the day. You know, normally, everyone's come straight from the pub after playing a bit of two up. It's you know celebrating our Anzacs, and it's just it's a it's a wonderful day. And the NRL really do it well every year. They hold they don't hold anything back, and they go all out, which is fantastic. And it's always an excellent game of football. So yeah, Anzac Day favorite game of the year, especially because you know Roosters Dragons is the main event of it for the most part. Yeah, and something special about it being at the SCG as well. Um, okay, let's get into round seven. We'll go through the team lists, and Michael will give his tips. So, uh, round seven starts with the Battle of the Beaches on Thursday night. The Sharks host Manly in the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, very exciting game, this one. Um, another top six clash. For the Sharks, Fanukan is out unlucky after last week suffering a head knock in Melbourne, and Hamlin Ueli is also out with a pec injury. Cam McInnes will start at lock. Tolman comes into the starting side, and Royce Hunt joins the bench. Katoa returns on the wing, pushing Harodi to the reserves, while Nakora uh, is also named to return. For Manly, Harper returns in the centres after COVID-enforced layoff, and Cooler goes to the reserves list. Josh Alloyer is out, and his place has been taken by Paseca, who moves from the bench to the starting side. A head knock sidelines Sean Kepi, so Ethan Bullimore joins the bench, as does Kurt DeLewis. Um, Marty Tapau is still sidelined. Mike, before you jump in with your tip, Manly's success rate over Cronulla is extraordinary. Just flagging that. Yeah, I know that. I know Manly's success rate. There's been some really close games. Uh, Thursday night down in Shark Park, though, I think this Cronulla team, this Cronulla team's a bit better. Uh, really bad injury for Hamlin Newelli. I think he's going to be out for twelve weeks with a torn pec. Um, so that's a big loss. I just I've liked what I've seen out of Cronulla more than I've liked what I've seen out of Manly. Manly's been really good, and Cherry Evans has been awesome, especially with the boot the last few weeks. But I'm sticking with Cronulla. I think they're the better team. I think I've liked what I've seen out of Hines and their Cronulla's backline. I think is just is too good compared to Manly's at this point in time. Uh, and with no Tom Travoy, if look if Tom was playing, this would be a different game, I think. But I'm tipping Cronulla. To get it done. Okay, uh, just so you know that, then this from um, RL Tables, Manly are Cronulla's biggest nightmare. They've played 94 times. Manly have won 67 of them, two draws, and Cronulla have only won 25. Uh, so that's a strike rate of 27.65% for Cronulla. Michael hoping to push that up to just above 28%. Um, okay. Cool. So, obviously, with uh, two games on Monday for Anzac Day, it's a bit of a rejig. So, Friday night, there's only one game. The Broncos host the Bulldogs at Suncorp Stadium. 
A uh, few changes for the Bronx with Tessie New um, injured. Tamari Martin will play his first NRL game since April 2019, which is extraordinary because he retired in 2020 due to a bleed on the brain, but has fought his way back and will make an emotional return this weekend. Herbie Farnworth, um, who had a leg injury, is back in the centres, and Gamble's the new 5'8 with Billy Walters on the bench. Payne Haas returns from his one-game ban at prop, and Palacia moves to the bench. Pakes is the new hooker. Turbin's nursing a shoulder injury. Flegler gets a spot on the bench on his return from suspension, and Ryan James drops out. Um, for the Bulldogs, two changes to the side that uh, lost to Souths. Braden Burns has done his hamstring, and Patolo's got a head knock. Shoup comes into the centres, and Waddell is the new face in the pack. These sides met not that long ago. Yeah, so they met in round two. It was actually a really good game. Uh, Broncos ended up winning that one. I think it was like 16-12 to 12 or something like that. Uh, it was Adam Reynolds' first game of the season. I am tipping the Broncos in this one. I think that the way they've played the last couple of weeks, they have lost to the Roosters and the Panthers, but they have shown really good... They've put through together some really good performances. And Katoni Staggs was has been in some excellent form. He's trying to make a run at that New South Wales centre spot, which I think he should get. I hope he does get, because he's... He reminds me a lot of a previous number four for the Broncos, Justin Hodges, mm-hmm. where if you get within his within his personal space, he's going to push you away and send you to the ground and run over the top of you. He's so damaging as a ball runner, has all the skill, and I just think against a, a Bulldogs team that has struggled to score points and has given up a fair few of their own, they're going to get the, the Broncos are going to get this done. Adam Reynolds' kicking game on Friday night was probably the second best kicking performance of this of the round. Uh, it's just unfortunate that Nathan Cleary, his opponent, was the best kicker in the round. And you know, Adam Reynolds. He, one thing that Reynolds has given the Broncos is even if you have a bad set of attack on attack and you only get to the forty-five meter line or something like that, you're getting a good kick. And it's so important getting a good kick away because you can pin the opposition, you can make the opposition start from inside their 10. And that's where the Bulldogs are going to struggle. Adam Reynolds' kicking game should be able to propel them. So, Broncos for me. Okay, Saturday afternoon at 5.30, the Cowboys host the Titans. Uh, Unusual for two Queensland teams not to be playing uh, on a Friday night, but... um, so for this one, the, the Cowboys bench forward, Neem returns from a concussion, and McLean starts with Cotter back to the bench, and Lemuelu dropping out. Hamaso Tabuai Fido is listed among the reserves as he works his way back from a knee injury. For the Titans, Justin Holbrook has named the same 17 that put up a strong second half showing against Manly. Jaden Campbell is listed among the reserves as he nears a return from a rib injury that has seen him sidelined since round three. Mike, Cowboys surprised everyone, I think, in the Canberra. Yeah, well, they were down 12-0 and they ended up winning 18-12. Um, I don't know whether that's more Canberra falling or Cowboys playing. Well, look, Cowboys are in the eight. They've won, I think they've won four games now this season. Two over the Raiders. Um, Titans seem to just... The problem with the Titans is this year, they've just let a rod of points happen to them every single round where it's teams go for 18 unanswered points, 24 unanswered points and it's been their downfall as their defence and look, this this is nothing new this was the same last year 
I'm tipping Cowboys. It's in it's in Countryback Stadium, isn't it? it Up is. in North Queensland. Yep. So I'm tipping the Cowboys. Um, they've shown a lot more to me than uh, the Bron- the Titans have. And yeah, look, I, the Cowboys are this this. And it was the same last year. I can't. I can never pick them. I can never ever pick them. Don't know what's going on, but I'm tipping them this week. I'll probably get it wrong. Kiss of death, right there. Um, okay, then Saturday night, seven thirty, Combank Stadium, the scene of Tigers' success yesterday. Uh, Mad just named the same seventeen that dug deep um, yesterday uh, to take on Souths. Simkin has suffered an angel injury but is expected to be right to play. Little is listed amongst the reserves and could come in if required, while Jock Madden is another dummy half option. For South, Davy Moali has been recalled on the bench with Isaiah Tess, who scored a try on debut last week, uh, going back to the reserves, and Sele has been named to start at prop. Tom Burgess on the bench. Danger game. Yeah, what's uh, I don't know if you have it handy. South's record against the Tigers over the last couple of years. There's been some very interesting games, some very close games. I remember last year there was that game where George Burgess put the ball over the line. Everyone thought he dropped it on, uh, dropped, uh, knocked it on, and then Luke uh, Luke Brooks ran the length of the field and put the ball down at the other end. And they were reviewing two tries. I think South ended up coming away with that one. Uh, we were at a Bucks. Yeah, we were at a Bucks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like these teams always play really close. Tigers are kind of South's bogey team a little bit, uh, but I think South's are going to be too good. I liked what I saw out of Blake Taff. Uh, Damian Cook had his best game of the season. Lachlan Ilias is getting better and better every week, which is what you want to see. Uh, I really liked Isaiah Taus. I thought he was really good. Um, disappointed he's not in the squad again this week. Let's see if he does come in. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't move Milne to the wing and play Mansour in reserves, which is, I think, what you would like, given the look that you've given me, uh, and play Tarsit centers. But look, I, I think Souths are a better team. And despite what I saw out of the Tigers last week, I don't think it'll happen two weeks in a row. Yeah, who knows? I just think that Souths probably have a bit more big game experience. The Parramatta might have lacked to seal that one. Uh, Souths have shown they've got quite a bit of patience as well um, and are happy to, to persevere and pepper away until the result needs to be um, determined. Just on that uh, record between Souths and the Tigers, Souths have won their last um, six of their last seven against the Tigers. Now, this win... So, last year we won by 16 and we won by four. There was a game in... It must have been 2020, I think, just when COVID hit, that Souths were up... N- it was 8-all, and Souths were up 9-8 with like two minutes to go. And then David Nofaluma just stormed through us and scored, and Tigers won 14-9. So um, that one is etched in my memory because it's one of those games where we just looked clunky and the Tigers made us pay. Um, but hopefully you get the right tip, Mike. Um, okay, so then Sunday afternoon, the first game is Newcastle hosting Parramatta. We're always in Newcastle. No, we're not. We weren't there last week. Adam Clune's been renamed to return in the halves um, after his late withdrawal against the Dragons due to knee injury. Phoenix Crossland back to the bench and Simi Sasangi to 18th man. Heimel Hunt is edging closer to a return from a knee injury. Daniel Saifidi is listed to start but could swap with brother Jacob as per last week. For the Eels, Junior Paulo returns 
Uh, shifting Kafusi to the bench, Neil Cora is out, replaced by Will Panasini in the centres, with Perham coming into onto the wing. RCG has been named despite picking up an ankle injury, and Mitch Rain reverts back to the reserves. Jacob Arthur comes onto the bench. Mike. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that you know a lot of a bit of the pressure has gone off Madge after the win last week. That pressure has transferred to Adam O'Brien. Uh, I think that he can maybe say that you know this team has dealt with some injuries early on this season, and that is why they have struggled so much. But Parramatta will get this one done. Uh, I think that they win this, and they should win it comfortably after what happened to them last week. Um, yeah, I, I don't like what I've seen out of the Knights. They had look, they had an excellent win against us round one, uh, but a lot of the results of round one are a bit obscure, a bit odd. Don't know what happened there. You know, teams aren't teams just aren't ready to play round one. Um, so you know, and then they got who they beat. They beat the Raiders, I believe, in round two. So you know, we've we've seen what the Raiders have done this year. I, I Tigers. 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 Well, they beat Titans. There yeah, you go. There you go. So yeah, not not convinced on the Knights, and we had them as a bottom four finish coming into the season. Looks like they're tracking that way, and the Kalen Ponga decision just looms large over this this whole team and this whole season. I think. Yeah, I think the big test for Parramatta and a big sign of their mental strength really is how they come out and perform. If they hold Newcastle to nil or to a try or something, that's a really good sign for the mental toughness that we've spoken about that they've lacked in other years. So, um, I also think Parramatta are going to win that one. Um, Okay, Sunday afternoon, Channel 9 game. Panthers host the Raiders at Blue Bet Stadium, which is becoming like Amy Park, really. Uh, teams go there to lose is is really what uh, Penrith's home ground has become. It's an incredible record they have out there now. Ivan's named an unchanged lineup again. Um, as we all know, Cleary was charged for his tackle on Billy Walters, but he's free to play after escaping with a fine. Dylan Edwards was given an early breather last week, but he'll play. Uh, incredibly, Penrith have had the luxury of fielding the same side for four weeks in a row. That's riding high. Incredible. Uh, for Canberra, a couple of backline changes for the Green Machine with Jordan Rapana uh, replacing um, Nickel Clockstar, uh, who moves to the bench, and Savage comes onto the wing. Rushton is in line for an NRL debut after being included on the bench, with Gula joining veteran Jared Croker in the reserves. Hudson Young is 18th man with Seb Chris out of the 24 squad this week. Yeah, uh, some scathing remarks from both Jack Whiten and Ricky Stewart after the loss to the Cowboys on the weekend. Uh, Ricky saying that some boys just need to wake up. And, you know, uh, uh, Jack Whiten said that some, some players just fell asleep late in the game there and just weren't paying attention, which is really hard to hear from... A, 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 you know, I've I've not been the biggest Jack Whiten fan. I've let that be known, but he's been playing well this season. He's not to blame for how the Raiders are playing so far. And I think since 2019, where they made the grand final, so three seasons since, they have blown eight eight times. They have blown a lead of ten points or more and gone on to lose, which is more than any other team by about four games. I think. So they have a problem where they, they blow leads and they fall asleep. Ricky has made changes and he's, he's you know, he's thrown the axe out. Hudson Young, Klockstad. Um, 
there was comments about Xavier Savage not being ready to play fullback, um, which I understand. Uh, you know, everyone everyone's claiming that you know Ricky needs to play him at fullback, but his inexperience showed on the weekend. Where you know instead of running infield, he runs out and he gets taken out in a in a crucial part of the game. Uh, you mentioned Penrith's record at home. I think they've won twenty. 20 or something like that and yeah. they have they've lost like two games there in the last three seasons absolutely ridiculous how good they are Nathan Cleary I, we're gonna in a couple of weeks we're gonna have to have a conversation on Nathan Cleary because I think we are watching Emmanuel one of you know a generational talent the likes of Thurston and Johns and he every week he does something where I'm like how how did you do that that kick to Taylor May on the weekend where the ball barely went higher than the players chasing it was it was like a deft little kick from one one sideline to the other and it was an absolutely perfect pinpoint accurate kick it's absolutely beautiful to watch he has everything in the game at the moment and I just want to people need to watch every game that he plays because we're watching something special he could go down as one of the greatest of all times uh, so there's no way I'm not tipping Penrith. You know my rule. I'm th- I'm tipping Penrith until they lose. And even then, I still might tip them. <laughs> I back it. I back it. Um, okay, Sunday is Anzac Day. Uh, sorry, Monday is Anzac Day, as we've discussed earlier. Michael's favourite club game of the year. Dragons hosting the Roosters. SCG, Monday, 4pm. Anthony Griffin has named the same 17 that got the job done against the Knights with Tyrrell Sloan still among the reserves and Mbai getting the job at fullback. Now, uh, I didn't watch it, but apparently Sloan absolutely carved up in the New South Wales Cup on the weekend. But I did see um, Amon play coming off the bench and what Sparky brought to the team. Uh, I just think... You've got to get him more involved in the game, and I just don't know how that works. McCulloch was sloppy at best out of dummy half. Uh, I know he scored the try, uh, but he was just the passes were flat at best, forward most of the time, and I just think that the Dragons just need a bit more creative spark. Ben Hunt, I think, is a very good player, uh, and just needs someone probably to combine with that's played less than three hundred games. Yeah, uh, you mentioned the Dragons. Look, they got the win, but their attack was nothing. There was nothing glamorous about it. It was clunky. It was ordinary. It was they, boring. It was boring, exactly. Um, but on the other side, the Roosters did not play well against the Warriors. They got the win, did not play well. One one thing I can say is, look, their defense has been good. Uh, and, you know, they're getting better every, every week. Sam Walker's... You know, that, that combination is going to take time. And I had a look, and from last year, seven of the, you know, seven of the mainstays in the starting lineup are the same as they are this year. So it's going to, there's combinations that are going to take time. Liked what I saw out of Sawali. This is a game where the Roosters amp up for. Everyone knows Anzac Day. We used to have a terrible record, but the last few years we've got, we've had the rub. Roosters get this done. I think this is a game where the Roosters announce themselves. I hope this is a game that the Roosters announce themselves. Don't roll your eyes at me. Um, <laughs> I think I think I think they get this done comfortably and they show themselves as a genuine contender rather than a team that's just you know casually beating these teams and not putting in a best not putting in their best effort. The, 
You mentioned that the good teams don't get penalised. It's not the same for the Roosters. The Roosters are the most penalised team in the competition. And I'm not saying that's because of whatever. We deserve half the penalties we give away, right? They need, to, they need to be more disciplined, better ball control. And if they complete over 75%, this is a no contest. So for the Roosters, Paul Momorowski replaces Nakama in the back line and Taukiaho replaces Saluka Fafita on the bench. Sam Verrills is again named to start but could be benched for Drew Hutchinson on game day. Again, I will respond uh, with very little to Michael's little soliloquy on the Roosters, but if you're announcing yourselves as a genuine contender against a 13th placed side, something's wrong. So... (laughs) Don't roll your eyes at me. Uh, okay, Monday night, the Storm hosts the Warriors in the traditional Anzac Night clash. Uh, Pap has been named despite a really ugly injury last week. Um, on, he did play on. I don't know how. Uh, Bromwich Brothers return after a COVID layoff with Jesse starting at prop and Kenny in the back row, pushing Brandon Smith and Leero to the bench with Lewis and McDonald dropping out. For the Warriors, Lodge returns from a side strain. Penne goes to the bench and Otto, um, Taniello Otokolo drops out. Curran and Johnson have both been named, named despite copping Knox to the lower leg. And Tavanga has been um, has served a two-game ban and is named among the reserves. Now, did I also see today that Mitch Barnett, the last man to be sent off in the NRL, has signed with the Warriors, which, again... Questions. Anyway, Mike, over to you. Uh, There's one. Look, Warriors. Warriors have given Melbourne trouble in the past, but I don't think that'll happen this year. I expect Pap to play uh, long turnaround. He's got what eight days, uh, so I think you know he should get this. He should be fine to play, given Melbourne's form and how they've dismantled teams in the last couple of weeks. I, I can't go past them. Harry Grant is incredible every time I watch him play he's awesome Jerome Hughes is the most underrated player in the NRL in my opinion um and you know they just every week they just they keep on finding miraculous ways to score tries in a beautiful manner and they're extremely quick they've got insane pace and you know I I can't I can't I can't tip against them yeah no I'm with you um Melbourne jumped to second uh, on their own after that win, and I don't think anyone would really be surprised by where their team is on the ladder. Uh, seems pretty accurate given form. Um, and just on the really the really interesting stat that came out of Saturday night's game is the four halves, so the two for each side, started as fullbacks at their clubs <laughs> at, when they when they debuted. So Moylan, um, Nico Hines. Hughes and Munster just a really three of them all at the one club yeah <laughs> yes that's true as well which is um, also incredible yeah. so um, interesting one there so just to recap Michael's tips for round seven Mike's gone Cronulla over Manly at Cronulla Broncos over Canterbury at Suncorp the Cowboys over the Titans in Townsville Souths to beat the Tigers at Combank Stadium Parramatta to win in Newcastle. Penrith to uh, do it over the Raiders at home. The Roosters to crow at the SCG. And Melbourne to win in Amy Park.
Park. Yeah, one more thing about the Roosters game is they are wearing my favourite jersey, the powder blue jersey with the red and white stripe. Absolutely beautiful. Love watching that on Anzac Day. It's a special Anzac Day jersey. Uh, but yeah, get out to the games this week. They should be awesome. Um, I'm very excited about this round of manual. Always have been, always will be. Uh, those first three games, I think, are the hardest ones to pick. Uh, so night, uh, what have we got? We got uh, Sharks versus... Sharks versus Manly is probably the hardest one to pick of the round. Uh, Titans, Cowboys will be interesting, and uh, Bulldogs, Broncos. So I, I think there's one in there that maybe Knights versus or Knights versus Power. Power. No, well then we're fine. Um, <laughs> I think those first three are the danger ones. If you want to change your tips on those, feel free. Um, I think we leave it there, Emmanuel. Please. Ah, have you got one? No. I well, actually, I have one for you. Okay. How many tries until Alex Johnston breaks the club re- <laughs> the club record? He's, uh, he needed three to tie Merritt and one to two to pass him, didn't he? No, that was the guy behind him. So it's like seven to go. Oh. It's about seven. It's it's actually quite incredible because Alex Johnston is only about twenty seven years old, and he's scored just uh, something like one hundred and forty seven tries. Uh, which is just extraordinary. And the uh, Ken Irvine... 212. 212 for the Bears, uh, which has been such a long-standing record. And I think the closest that Slater. came to it was Slater. 190-something. 190-something, I think. And then yeah. and then maybe the Morrises. Yeah, it's John, uh, Brett. Brett. Yeah. So quite extraordinary. Um, but he, has a, he has a chance to break. If he can stay healthy and you know get 20 tries a season, which he's done for how many years... Yeah, he will get close. He will get very close. Yeah, so I think it's something like he needs. It must be about seventy more tries, which works out to about twenty-four a season for the rest of his contract, which is pretty much what he scores anyway. So, um, could be history there. But great player. Uh, and the question will be if he does break the record, will they rename it the Alex Johnston Medal? That's the question. Anyway. No. <laughs> No, well, the commission has spoken. That's yeah, it. That's, that's it. it. No, they won't. There's also one other thing. One other thing that we forgot to mention. There is talks of the uh, round zero next year yes. being played in America. Yes. Uh, in LA, between Souths and Manly, I believe. Mm-hmm. Scott Penn is the owner of the um, Manly team, and I believe he also owns one of the teams over in the US. So one of the reasons why uh, this try this happened a couple of years ago. They tried to get it through a couple of years ago, uh, but I just don't think the revenue was there. But now that gambling is legalized in America, mm-hmm. in certain states, uh, there's more revenue coming in. And a lot of the gambling agencies are Australian-based. So that's where the revenue is going to come from to get this done. Would love to see it. Oh. Love to see our game expanded, especially over the US. You know, the amount of times you see an article saying, oh, US media goes crazy over stunning hit or stunning try in the NRL. You know, they, they love our game. They just don't get to see it. So, Yeah, so there's talk. The initial talk is it's because Hugh Jackman supports Manly. Russell owns Quarter of Souths. Uh, and so the talk is that Souths and uh, Manly go over to LA. I think the time difference when kickoff happens is about five hours. Plan would be for it to be Sunday afternoon, Saturday night in the US, and it happens the week 
I'd say the Sunday before the season kicks off on Thursday, so South and Manly have enough time to recover. I'm all for this idea. Uh, and Mike, I do agree with the suggestion you haven't yet put forward about um, us going over and broadcasting uh, our podcast that week from the US. That's a, that's a fantastic idea. Um, and, <laughs> uh, with, a, with a study trip in Vegas as well. It's incredible, incredible. I, I can't believe that you thought of that. I was thinking the same no, thing. No, no, uh, no, no. Yeah, so if you know if you want to sponsor us for that trip, we'd be really grateful. But maybe if you just want to sponsor us for the podcast, we'd also be grateful. <laughs> exactly. All right, that's it, Emmanuel. We're done. Uh, thank you again for listening. As always, please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, uh, and enjoy Anzac Week. Emmanuel, how good is rugby league? How good is rugby league? Thank you, Michael. Thanks, guys.